podcast has bad words. <laughs> All right, this is the part where we let down our hair a bit. Yep. We're we take with, off our pants. Wait a minute. <laughs> 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 we're, we're here with Lita Wise. Um, Lee, so we are here. We're going to talk about some of your music. Uh, I want to talk about your career. We got a bunch more questions to answer. Uh, before we talk about Castles, which is your new EP that came out, I do want to do the segment we call More About Less, where since the topic today is sort of fear and phobia, anxiety, paranoia, there's an article I have here from uh, SciComm, and it's called Facing Your Fears, Tips to Overcoming Anxiety and Phobias. I'm not going to read the whole thing. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's very long. It's a good article. But yeah, I tweezed out these... These, uh, I think it's six, yeah, there are six different tips for dealing with fear and anxiety. I don't know if I agree with all of these necessarily. The first one is allow yourself to sit with your fear for two to three minutes at a time. Kind of like a, a way to confront your fear and like just let, instead of fighting it, you're mm-hmm. just kind of like, all right, I'm scared. Mm-hmm. seems very controlled. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like, I think it's, that's one of those, for, for me, I think that's an, I don't want to say it's easier said than done, but I think mm-hmm. it takes it takes a lot to be truly afraid of something or have a fear of something and be like, you know what? I'm going to set aside that fear for a second. Just think about it. I mean, I think that's the yeah. goal, yeah. but it's you easier know, said than done for sure. I think so. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I, no, it, I, I agree. Yeah. And so uh, it says breathe with it and say it's okay. It feels lousy, but emotions are like the ocean. The waves ebb and, ebb and flow. Yeah, that's a very intellectual approach. <laughs> I, mean, I, w- I wish that's how I handle <laughs> right. every, every bit of fear or anxiety in my life where I could just sit back and do that. I mean, I don't know. I, I think everyone has their ways of dealing with it. For me... Like when it comes to that, and I don't mean to veer off here, but when it comes to, I think that I'm, I'm the opposite. I, I, I like to just bring it on. Like, what is it? <laughs> like whatever the anxiety is, let's just go. Let's, mm. let's just go. Because to me, I feel like that's when I can kind of like, I need to like really push through it. It's very difficult for me to like set aside what it is. I'm fear. I'm like, whatever the, I think anxiety is a better word for me. Yeah. Um, I, I tend to be more anxious than fearful. I think, um, uh, and I, it's I'm, I'm I'm more of a take it head on kind of person I think than just I I can't just set it aside and yeah well, in, in a way th- this is sort of taking it head on though yeah. but it, it, for some people <clears throat> and maybe for someone like me um, who I'm I tend to be a very anxious person and being able to to yes just not let it take over my life. Maybe it is a way to take. It, it, we're just using sort of semantics here, but but being willing to okay, I'm going to stop for a moment and start asking myself some better questions. What mm-hmm. am I actually afraid of? What is actually making me anxious? As opposed to just trying to deal with it or or worse, repress it. Like oh, I'm just gonna, I'll forget about the anxiety if I walk away from it. Like mm-hmm. dealing with the anxiety versus like managing the anxiety. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I think about the most anxious or fearful I ever felt. I ate about 200 milligrams worth of, uh, gu- of a gummy. <laughs> and I thought... Of a THC Of a gummy. THC gummy. Okay. It wasn't a regular gummy bear. Right. No, this was like a very potent gummy. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to get great sleep and this is going to be awesome. Um, I thought I was going to die. Uh-huh. And like, it's funny because I have, you know, in high school, I've gotten that high before and like just <laughs> didn't mean to get that high again. <laughs> but like I'm sitting there and I started feeling true anxiety and fear because I'm like, wait, wait, Ryan, 
no one's ever died from an overdose from THC. Like, don't worry about it. But I'm like, but my heart's beating so fast. I might have a heart attack. People die from heart attacks. <laughs> <laughs> so then I start talking myself into like, oh, do I need to go to the hospital? And I'm like, I, and I, to this article's credit, I started taking some deep breaths. And I was like, all right, what am I really scared? I'm scared that I'm going to have a heart attack. Do people have heart attacks on THC? No. I looked it up. Like, not a high risk of a heart attack when you're on THC. WebMD. Right? <laughs> Web I'm MD. good. I'm good. Oh, shit. No, I have AIDS. Uh, exactly. <laughs> right. And then I'm like, Ryan, you've been here before. <laughs> you made it through. Um, but I, I did sit with it. And, and, you know, it took, I eventually did go to sleep and had some great sleep. But, uh, but there was some, like, anxiety to get over it. But, again, to this article's credit, I did sit with it for a second. And it helped, I would say 10%, maybe 15% enough to where I was like, okay, Ryan, you don't need to go to the emergency room right now. The The next one is write down the <laughs> things. Okay. Thanks, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> next thing is write down the things you're grateful for. I mean, yeah, having gratitude is, I think, certainly a, uh, a sort of pill that helps cure uh, some phobias that we have um, or at least helps put them in perspective Sam Harris has a great uh, sort of thought experiment that will uh, imagine some of the wor worst things that could have happened to you that didn't mm -hmm. right like I got into a car accident back in Dayton a few weeks ago and someone just rear-ended me at a stoplight now thankfully I mean I got a little whiplash and the car was messed up the rental car and and there's a bunch of inconvenience but it could have been much worse. Like maybe my wife could have been paralyzed. And then his, uh, Sam's thought experiment is how much money would you pay to get out of that? Yeah. To unparalyzed backs. To unparalyzed my wife. How much would you pay? Like there's, I would go into any amount of debt right. to not have her paralyzed, yeah. right? Yeah. And I don't go into debt for anything mm -hmm. except for something like that. I would. I mean, okay, well, you want me to finance $10 million? A mm -hmm. $100 million? Okay, whatever. Um, but, but, that that puts things in perspective for me. Like, oh, okay, I'd be willing to pay ten million dollars to get back to what the way things are right now. Mm. That I'm afraid of. I'm 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 uh, uh, discomforted with. I'm I'm not happy with. I'm I'm dissatisfied with the way things are right now. But I'd pay millions of dollars to get back to where I am right now. Mm. Right. It puts things in perspective. It <laughs> makes me realize that sometimes those fears are are a bit overblown. I agree. I think that it's easy. I mean, it's obviously easier to, uh, we've all, you know, it's easier to focus on the negative. It's easier to like focus on those spheres. And I think, I think that it's, um, I think it's important to under, uh, we, you kind of mentioned it earlier a little bit, but I think it's important to like recognize like why you're afraid of that thing. Mm -hmm. Like, like being grateful for it. And like, why am I, afraid? If, 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 and I think understanding like why you're afraid of something, like I'm afraid of this thing. Why am I afraid of it? It's it, for me, fear, anxiety. That that drive. It's all for me. It's a very heavy wave. Whenever I feel anxiety, for me, like, like I said, like you, you're a very anxious person, and it definitely does help to kind of look and be like, okay, but like, what's good going on right now? Mm -hmm. And we have those conversations a lot within the music that that I do in my my career. Like to, you know, it's something maybe not be here but it's like but you know what there's all this stuff going on and this is all good stuff and it's it's really just a really it, it is important to i think to 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 know how it could be worse and that i know that's something we've all said it could be worse but it really it really can be right i, I mean sometimes for because look at the people where it's like it, it can't be worse like this is the worst it could get compared to you know the little things and i think it's uh the little things are small and then you fear and then they get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and in reality when you bring it down to where it started it's just you know not it's not that bad you know and i, I know that's 
again, easy to say, but I always try to remember the things that are like going on that are good or the things that, you know, what is this thing that bad? Or have I just built it up to be this thing that mm-hmm. it's not? Right. And is it really that bad? And um, I don't know. Just, well, when, yeah. when, you're, when you're a little kid and you're afraid <clears throat> of the, the monster that's under your bed or so you think or hiding in the closet and we can build that up to being truly terrifying where our physiology actually changes even though there's literally nothing there it's just we don't grow out of that as adults we just have new monsters now mm-hmm. it's not the boogeyman underneath the bed it's uh the rent payment this month sure. or it is i can't believe my wife said that this morning <laughs> or you know, whatever and like we we turn that little thing the little kernel and, and we blow it completely out of proportion. Ryan has talked about this um, with like, if I don't send him a text message back right away, it's like, oh my God, does Josh hate me? <laughs> and it's like, we can, we can construct whatever narrative we want. That's actually good news though. That means we can also construct the opposite narrative. I've gotten over it. I already know you, already know you hate me. <laughs> <laughs> just accept it. Well, that's another narrative. Uh, I mean, it's it, just but, acceptance. But, it, but I think it gets dangerous when you start to, to, you know, you're saying when it's something small and it blows up into this thing, it's when you come at it as if it's this big thing. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, it's, it's like, I think that's where it gets dangerous. Right. Where, where you have this small thing that's really not that, let's say it's not that big of a deal for the sake of this conversation. And then you've built it into this massive thing and you're like, I have to, you're coming at it with all of that force. when in reality, it's this small thing. And I think that's when you can overstep it and you can put yourself in a worse position than you really needed to from the beginning. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a, 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 like a nighttime storybook that I read to my daughter. It's called black rabbit. And it's like, this rabbit that's walking around, he keeps seeing his shadow. He doesn't realize it's the shadow. He thinks it's this giant monster that's chasing him because the shadow is huge, right? And he's just, just a tiny little rabbit, but the way the sun is hitting him and it this just and, and so he's worried literally about nothing because it is a it, it is a shadow. And and by the way, Ella, my daughter, gets terrified just me reading the story to her. And and what I mean the, the, by the end of the story, he becomes friends with, with his shadow when he realizes it's not really that big of a deal. And I think we, we, can, we can do the same thing as adults. We, we can realize that many of those, those phobias, those fears, we can hold hands with them. And that actually brings me to the next point here. Remind yourself that your anxiety is a storehouse of wisdom. Uh, sometimes the reasons that we get anxious... Um, it's actually telling us that something is wrong. It's a, it's when you're driving your car and the check engine light comes on, the, the check engine light doesn't mean your engine has blown up. It means, hey, you probably need to look into this before mm-hmm. something worse does result from this. And sometimes anxiety can just be a, a check engine light in yeah. a way. When, I, when uh, Mariah and I moved to Hollywood, I had this like constant fear of like, having to like look behind my back. So I'm almost, it was really weird. Like I've not, and I'm not a paranoid person, but like what I realized is that whatever you want to find in Hollywood, you you could find it if you go searching for it. And what I did with that fear is I'm like, okay, this just means that, yeah, I need to be alert and uh, I, I need to, you know, pay attention to my surroundings, but it doesn't mean that I have to not walk outside. And after 
you know, cause I, I walk to work after walking to work, I don't know, a million times since we've moved there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been able to kind of just manage that fear. It's still there a little tiny bit, but, but yeah, it's uh, it, it certainly is a mechanism because there, there is some stuff in Hollywood that like you want to avoid, you know, um, you got to look out for people's <laughs> crap on the sidewalk. I mean, you got to. <laughs> no truer statements ever been spoken. <laughs> I, I think that using for me, it's a, it's also a motivating thing as well anxiety okay how so i I think that when i get anxious about something you know how you're saying sometimes it's it's like a signal to pay attention to something a little more for me i try to take that anxiety and turn it into a motivating like if i'm anxious about this thing I, i will use it as motivation to for whatever reason i'm feeling that anxiety for instance if i it's hard to explain but writing a song i guess or I'm anxious about, um, I want to, you know, I don't know. I just use it as a fuel. It's it, like really like the, the I don't mind the, the anxiety sometimes mm. when I want to get things done. It kind of pushes me and forces me to, to do, to do certain things, like whether it be in my career or my life, whatever it is. So I think becoming like comfortable and understanding your anxiety is like also something I'm always trying to do is understanding like when I'm anxious, what can I do to not feel this way? Mm-hmm. And I've learned to kind of siphon that, or I try to siphon that into a creative thing. And I think that's why I write, <laughs> write certain a certain way yeah. at times. You know what I mean? Well, let's talk about that, and we'll get back to some of these points here. In, in your music, you, you, I assume that when you're writing, it can be, because you know, I write books, you write music, uh, it can be cathartic. Uh, it could also dredge up some things that I didn't necessarily want to feel as well. It can actually lead to more anxiety in the moment. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. Um, I think, yeah, that's uh so I think when I, over the years, I would say when I first started writing, like really writing, and I say really writing because there's a point where I think I'm, you know, when I'm when you're younger, that you're trying to get to a point where you're comfortable in the way you write and how you write. And when I got to that point where I was like, "This is the kind of writer I am," and I let that develop over the years. I think in the beginning it was way easier to not write about myself. Mm-hmm. It was much easier for me to write about this thing I'm seeing or this person over here or this scenario that's not me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's very easy to be like, "Well, it's not about me." Yeah. You know, and I think through the years I become more comfortable with letting that guard down a little bit and, and writing from um, like my own writing about myself and being okay with that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think when you start to dive into some of those, those emotions and those things, you sometimes kick up things you don't really want to, uh, to either talk about or write about. But um, I think that that again is another one of those like things. If there's something that's upsetting you that you're kicking up, it's, it's, it might be important to like look at that and say, why is this bothering me? And can I do anything to make that feel better? What about what about on the album Paranoia, for for example? There, there's a lot of a lot of heavy topics there. Like I said, there's some light in there as well. I feel like, um, but but I'm sure there are things that you had to go through or relive in a way when you were when you were writing the songs for that album. Uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of the things I was writing about were very easy to write about in in the moment for me. 
a lot of those songs kind of is just because you were going through it at the time or not so much as okay. it was uh i think just things throughout my life that i felt i could write about now and um there's enough distance or time yeah okay. and i think i've had enough separation from it where i could kind of break it down and in, in, into uh something that i felt comfortable enough to write to write about and you know it's interesting a lot of the songs on that album in particular were not written when i went into the studio it wasn't like i wrote this song i'm gonna go write it. a lot of it was really built on the emotion and like in in the in the moment kind of feel where i would go into the studio and sit down and just play something and start singing for half an hour and the song would just kind of come out yeah and um i kind of let the emotions take control in that way and put it in a you know palatable way for a song where it's not just like jesus this guy yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah, I think again, I think when whenever you're doing something creative, when you when you decide to go to that place, you know, you're gonna run into those things. And and for me, it wasn't really so much a bad feeling as it was a good feeling. And that's that's what was interesting about it. I never felt when I was writing, or even when I listen back to it, I'm reminded of what I was writing about. Um, but I think I've always tried to put it in a way where. Um, you know, and I've said this before, but I, I really mean it. I, I like to look at the songs as these little soundtracks to 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 people's like memories of their life. And I want them to hear a song and they can put it to a place in their mind where that's the soundtrack for that part of their life. And, for sure. and we were talking earlier about connecting with people. And I think that a lot of the things that are on that record in particular, like a lot of people deal with and um, is, you know, an artist or someone that writes the way I do. Um, I never really went there with the music before. Even the way it sounds, the production of it was well, much it, different. There's an elegant simplicity to it, but also in order to get that level of, of simplicity, people often mistake that with simple with easy. Correct. But simple just means not complected. It means it means stripped down. But in order to strip something down, you first have to build it right. up to I mean, find I the essence of it. I find myself taking more off than putting things on. Right, I can mm -hmm. tell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there is there's a... Uh, I mean, it's a beautiful album. Thank and uh, like I said, I, I, I truly think it is a, a classic album, one of the best albums of, of 2018. I um, appreciate you saying that. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, and I can tell you the, the album two albums before that frames, frames right ryan and i wore that out when we were on tour oh, in 2014 thank you so much for doing that man <laughs> um, that was great I, I appreciate that. we did 119 city tour that year 119 events 100 cities and uh most of it in ryan's toyota corolla yeah i remember when josh played he's like this is the latest winner of american idol uh which was season nine i think that you yeah. won and uh, he was like, he's like, it's great because it's like a produced album, but then he did an acoustic version of it. I did. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was just, I was like, okay. And, and like, I like from the first song to the end, it was great. And I typically don't love acoustic stuff, but then the acoustic stuff, I love just as much, but then in a different way. But yeah, that was awesome idea. Thank you. Yeah. I, I think that there's, like I said, when I, when we did, when we did the acoustic version of that, I, I find that again, it's for me with my music, it's like honesty. I just feel very honest. I like to be honest with my music. I feel I don't have to worry about whether I believe in what I'm writing about or not. Mm. If I'm like, I'm just going to write from an honest place. It, it, it just connects, I think in a different way than, I mean, I get to step outside of that box sometimes if I'm writing for a TV show or a movie or a trailer or whatever it is. I, it's fun to step outside of that and write for a project. But when I'm writing for myself, I feel like to me the most important thing is to like connect with someone that's listening. And um, I found for me the easiest way to do that is to write from a very just honest place, whatever that means in that moment. You know, what, however I'm feeling, just put it into music. And mm -hmm. I find that people can connect with it 
you know and 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 it's been that way and i appreciate that you guys love that record yeah, because because so when i decided to do the acoustic version i just wanted to put a version of it that this is how i wrote these songs mm -hmm. this is what it sounded like this is what it felt like right and um yeah 119 city that's a lot of frames that's a, that's a you know but do you have a favorite song I, from, I still from listen frames? To it. don't be afraid okay let's mm. uh, let's play that for the audience sean I think now's an appropriate time to talk about this new EP that you have out, yeah. Lee, uh, Castles, which um, the first song is called Night and Day. Night and Day. And uh, I, I, I tend not to ask writers about, well, what is this song about? Yeah. But yeah. to me, I love to tell them what I think it's about, though. Yeah. And I, think that's <laughs> a, I love hearing what you think it's about. It's, it's, that's the most interesting part. <laughs> to me, it's about anxiety that is birthed from boredom. Mm. Um, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and, and, you know, we were talking about um, uh, what is it? This this uh, movie or this TV show sucks, and like yeah. like I, I'm uh, it's the day. The day is, is is long, but the night is short, and um, and it's like it's us always looking forward, past the present moment, over the shoulder of the present moment, toward the next hopeful thing like it's going to get better as soon as the sun goes down tonight mm. i mean that okay that's it. <laughs> i mean that's it's, it's very much where it was uh you know where that's coming from i i think for me it was just one of those i mean, I mean you, you really nailed it on the head as far as what i was what i was getting at and it also you know for me sometimes the only like real escape from your anxieties and those things is sleep yeah and uh, i find for me yeah, mm -hmm. you know, I think that for for a lot of people, you know, it's like the end of the day. You just want to put your head on the pillow and go, you yeah. know, go go drift off. And uh, I think that a lot is learned in your sleep. I find, for me at least, I I you know the term sleep on it, right? It uh -huh. exists for a reason. Sure. And, and so that song in particular um, really is, ex I mean, exactly what you're talking about. It's anxiety. What did you say? How did you put it? Anxiety born from boredom. From boredom, and uh, yeah, because I think there's like this this thing where we we get in this this phase of perpetual rumination, where it's like uh, we we've been talking about comfort this entire podcast, but like where we put ourselves in a sort of nerfed world and now I've got the Netflix queue in front of me and I've got, you know, endless songs in my pocket. I have the paradox of choice and it's driving me insane in a way or at least making me wildly anxious. And uh, uh, it's a self-imposed anxiety though. Like we've, yeah. we've created these really beautiful prison cells, uh, these, these digital prison cells that are really comfortable, but but even the most comfortable prison cell is still a prison cell. I've had yeah. several people ask me like, who are you like, who are you talking to? 
because I'm having this conversation in the song, you know, mm-hmm. all my days feeling like it's it. When we were, it's, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, which is like myself. Right. It's this, it's, 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 it's really a conversation with yourself and uh, kind of sussing out and dealing with whatever it is, you know? And, and I think, yeah, like the, when, when you're in those moments of anxiety, the, the, the nights feel so much shorter <laughs> than the days, you know, mm-hmm. when you're having one of those days, it, it, it's, it's like, man, is this day ever going to end? And, 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 yeah so it's um it's one of my i mean obviously one of my favorites on i you know we're putting out an album next year but it was really fun writing that song and i i it's interesting that song being the first song i i've noticed um recently that it felt very present Mm. uh like right now whereas castles felt feels in the past and we were alive feels looking more towards the future which i thought was oh, fascinating i didn't even realize that i just something that kind of like dawned on me when i was talking about it yeah mm. well let's let's play a snippet of uh it's night and day right and day. yeah let's play a snippet of night and day sean all my days feel long and my nights feel short and i think i'm tired but i'm not quite sure and this movie sucks and my head feels long Those light outside Can't wait for the night to come All my days feel long And the nights feel short And I think I'm tired But I'm not quite sure And this music sucks my head feels numb Those bright outside Can't wait for the night to come For a while there I was And you Just one last night To be confused I'm about the center Of this thing I'm in But don't get tired right, Let's move on to the title track Castles Um to me, when I'm listening to this, it's um, I identify with this a lot because um, my my wife travels a lot, and so she's not always here. And so for me, what I what I hear from this is like um, like you don't have to go, or I don't want you to go. And and um, uh, can can you talk a little bit about that? There's a sort of longing in in the leaving. Yes. Um, so this song in particular. I, I would say it's definitely one of my favorite songs I've ever written. And I say that because when I was writing this song, the original idea for it was kind of letting go of your childhood, letting go of your past, letting go of some of those things. I've had, I've never had more people have a different view on what the song means to them, like ever. That's a beautiful thing. <laughs> I, I will play that song. And people will come up to me and tell me how, you know, my, my, my mother passed away or or they they have that nostalgic they feel nostalgic when I'm listening to it and um, I don't know it's it's really been this like universal kind of feeling where uh, people have had different attitudes and different um, things that it means to them yeah. and and for me it was really about you know like from the open you know from your cat when you're a kid a treehouse is a castle mm-hmm. and you can remember those things and there's these moments from your when you're when you're a kid. That you that a feeling that you just can't get back. Mm-hmm. You'll never have that feeling again, and it's really about letting go of that. And um, uh, 
we were able to make a really cool uh, music video for it um, using stop motion and paper with this artist in Italy. He's unbelievable. And he really captured that nostalgic kind of feeling to it. Um, but that song in particular, I mean, I I'm really proud of it because I, I feel that I wanted people to feel the way it sounds. Mm -hmm. and I wanted them to be taken to a place like when they hear it. I wanted them to feel that way. And I, and I think we did that. And um, yeah, it was it's one of my favorites for yeah. sure. It's yeah. a good song. Let's hear it's a little great. bit of it. to the ground mid-November From your castle in the trees Here you call to me I remember All right, so the last song on the EP you said is uh, forward-looking in a way, which I didn't get that personally, but um, I, I could see what you're saying. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I feel it's one of those when it's all said and done, kind of looking back. So it's more of like a forward-back thing, yeah, if that okay. makes sense. That does make sense. Um, you know, I think in, in the opening lines, the idea behind, you know, Broken Wires to remember we're torn and photographs just to prove we're born, it's definitely talking more about like this, this the time and this, you know the way things are nowadays you know mm -hmm. it's it's um just a reminder that you know it, it's kind of it's it's interesting when i listen and i talk about my own music i sometimes get different perspectives on it as well uh -huh. from what i wrote it about and what it means to me now after sort listening of Monday to Monday morning quarterbacking thing <laughs> yeah um i think f for me it's it's about when it's all said and done at least you know the real message of the song is we were we were alive it almost at least we were alive you know and yeah. um i think that what you do here is important i think what you do makes it matters and um and i think it's just kind of a song looking back when it's kind of all said and done um we were alive and, and it talks about you know medicate till the feelings numb like that's the first in the first verse it's like out of the gate you're like okay yeah. <laughs> you know like, oh shit uh but you know i think it's it's really just about the process of life and how people deal with it and what you leave behind and what's important to you and it's really that is what the song is for me um and i, I don't usually like like you were saying earlier i'm not usually like this is what the song's about but that one in particular i think when you really dive into the lyrics and what i'm t singing about it's kind of it felt very feels very obvious to me in a way i kind of i didn't try to mask it behind anything else well so, to me i sense some like uh a call a calling for gratitude in it which i may or may not be your intention but, but what i extracted out of it is like thinking back you know i, I think nostalgia it can be really dangerous but but when we think back to these moments when you say it's, it's looking backward but it's like a future self looking backward yes. i it means like hey i should I shouldn't take this moment for granted because at least we are alive yeah. right now, right? And I think quite often it's just going through the motions. It's 
I need to get through my email inbox or my Twitter stream or I need to return these phone calls or whatever it might be. And that forsakes the fact that, oh, but here we are living. Yeah. And this is what I'm choosing to do with my <laughs> time right now. And yes, of course, there are some things I have to do that I may not want to do or get the most joy or pleasure from. But ultimately, this is the decision I'm making to allocate this most precious resource of mine, my time right now. And, and I am alive. And so there should be some gratitude, even in the most mundane drudgery. Yeah. One yeah. of the takeaways I got from the entire EP was sometimes we have these moments where it is banal. We are anxious. And it's, it's kind of how we look at those moments. Because often what we do is we go to nostalgia. Mm -hmm. And we're like, oh, man, today isn't as good as the good old days. Right. And then we kind of get lost in the good old days. Or uh, like I was a huge proponent of taking drugs in the corporate world to like kind of mask the pain. So when we have these moments, it's, uh, it's, it is important to appreciate them and to not, to not ignore them or to deal with them in an improper way. And I think, yeah, I think nostalgia is definitely a dangerous way to deal with the present moment. Because when I was listening to, uh, to Castles particularly, I was thinking how when we look at the past, it's always nice and polished. It's like... You know, in the moment, you know, we don't appreciate it for what it is, but when we, then we look at it later, we're like, oh man, those were the good old days. But I feel like maybe, some, at least for myself, sometimes I will remember things better than what they actually were. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the second verse of, of Castles um, talks about, you know, um, all, the th all the things we find when scars are left behind, mm. right? So for me, that was... When you dive into your, when you dive into that, when you dive into that stuff, there are things that are buried, and it, like you're saying, it's very easy to look back and be like, oh yeah, this. But when you really get into it, <laughs> you're like, so much of your past makes up why you are the way you are. Mm -hmm. So much of what you do affect what you've done affects what you do, and so. Um, you know, there's also the line of the song, you know, still I know the somber song of the meadowlark written for me. It's, it's, it's really talking about. You know, I, it's again, for me, when I wrote it, it was very much so looking back and kind of it's, there's a sad, like a happy sadness to it. Mm. And, um, I think that's important to like, to look back sometimes, but as you said, it can be, it can be, it can be a scary thing. And it, it's very, it, honestly, for me, it's anxious. As, it makes me anxious as well. Mm. When you like, look back at like how things were, why this, and you really dive into it, it can give you an uncomfortable feeling, mm. you know? And, uh, this song was just kind of a a reflection of that, I guess, for me. Well, let's round it off by uh, playing a snippet of We Were Alive, Sean.
All right, before we dive into some questions here, we've got a bunch more questions from our patrons. Uh, I wanted to finish, just not even finish the article that we were talking about earlier, but one thing that has help, helps me a lot that is in here uh, is exercise. Uh, if I am feeling anxious, especially, uh, if I hop on like uh, a soul cycle bike, a mm-hmm. Peloton, or um, just even go for a walk, but generally something that is exerting a lot of effort, it calms me down. It 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 almost like crowds out the fear in a yeah. way that is that is bottled up. And part of that's just because we've developed into a relatively sedentary society, right? Uh, and we're seated most of the day. We aren't walking. We aren't moving. We aren't getting our heart rate up. And yet the mind is still running a marathon all day, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the anxiety and fear happens because our body isn't doing anything, but the mind is going a million miles a minute. Yeah. Yeah. I think that doing, I think it's also like a, it's, distraction you know it's yeah. it's like if you're like i'm gonna go run on the treadmill for a half hour like you can kind of put all that energy into this thing and like you said put that other thing aside but i mean look there's nothing more for me that conjures up more anxiety than just sitting there and thinking about <clears throat> what you're i mean that is this that is a tra- <laughs> that, that is like that it's a different kind of treadmill you know what i mean that is yeah. like it you just you go deeper and deeper and deeper and i think it's like doing something physically active getting out going for a walk you know i think that it, it is important at times and i think that it can definitely help with those things because man when you're anxious or you're fearful of something and you're just sitting there thinking about it it will manifest itself into just anything yeah yeah, yeah. Get, get your heart rate up it, it really really helps with uh, getting the the anxiety out or at least calm down quite a bit well Lee, you said distraction and it's, I think it is important when we have anxiety to distract ourselves in healthy ways. And like exercise is definitely one way. I think creating is another way to do that too. But, uh, but yeah, if you, if you're, if you're using healthy distractions, then that's good. Don't use, don't use bad distractions. Healthy distractions. Yeah. Healthy distractions. Good way of, good way of putting it. That's actually a, a great uh, episode title, Sean. Uh, let's see here. Maddie says, how can we lean into fear to make ourselves more productive? Lee, you touched on this uh, earlier. Uh, sometimes, I think sometimes fear can sort of be a beacon that illustrates what direction in which we must travel. Yeah, I think that I I, I try I try to. It's again when I, when it comes to fear and anxiety, it's easy when you're not feeling that way to talk about it. When you're in it, you know, I think people can be very like I said. I, some of your most irrational thoughts mm-hmm. come when you're a, when you're anxious or you're fearful. You say, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do that. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to tell you, like, don't do that. That's not a good idea. Yeah. But I, I think if you can find a way to use your fears or anxieties as, as, as a, a lighthouse or as a motivating factor, I think it, that can be a really good exercise for people, I think, because it is for me. I mean, I, I try to use it rather than fight it. You know, I have this thing I'm afraid of, or I have this anxiety. I'm not going to go against it. I'm going to use it to accomplish whatever it is that might be making me feel it in the first place. Mm-hmm. And um, I try to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. again so much of this when it comes to anxieties and paranoias. It's it's a lot of it is mental and it's it's an emotional thing. But um, 
I don't know, for me, it's, I try to use it in that way as best I can. Yeah. I, the article actually does a good job of talking about, um, like the fear of flying, for example, and how to lean into that a little bit. Uh, it says like, okay, you're going to go to the airport and then you go home and then maybe you like go on the, the jet bridge and then you go home mm-hmm. and then you get on an airplane, but you don't actually take the flight and then you go home and you kind of work your way towards taking a flight eventually. Um, I think there are other fears in life that maybe there aren't that many steps to leaning into it, but embracing the discomfort, um, that is what is going to eliminate, help eliminate fear or at least help, help you get over the fear as much. There's a lot of fears I have that I lean into. I still am fearful of, I mean, I just, you know, was talking about living in Hollywood. I still have a little bit of a fear live, uh, you know, living there, but some of that is a healthy fear though. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Because some random person could attack you i mean that that is uh, <laughs> oh yeah dude there's this new app called citizen and it lets what? you dude you sh- uh, you should not download it uh-huh, yeah okay so what it does is it lets you know of all the crime that's happening oh it's a fear app I, I, it's a fear I, I've app had, i've yeah. had one of those from not, i deleted it after like two days <laughs> yeah you're like wait where did this happen right. it's like 17 steps from your front door you're like, I <laughs> it don't happened know. in my apartment yeah. <laughs> right right yeah um, a lot of pedestrians getting hit in hollywood man it's crazy anyway. uh, stefan says how do you feel consumerism has fed and increased fear and paranoia in people today i, I think what consumerism does which which we like to separate out consumption from consumerism we all need to consume some stuff and and if done intentionally the things that we bring into our life actually enhance, augment, uh, uh, amplify our experience of life. Consumerism is the unintentional consumption based on other people's values or beliefs or their own needs and interests, uh, often the interests of, of large corporations. And, and so how has consumerism fed and increased fear by creating a tremendous amount of inadequacy, Mm. making us feel as though we are incomplete. And thus the only way to solve that incompleteness, the only way to fill the void is with product X, Y, or Z. And of course, when you get product X, it becomes a momentary blip of pleasure and so you get the dopamine rush or the thing may even be useful for a period of time but we trick ourselves in thinking it's going to solve the greater existential problem and of course it just widens the gap when we fill the gap with more stuff it, it feels like pr- there's like a pressure mm-hmm. you know and I, and I i look at like social media is one of those things mm. where i think that um I think it's very easy for people nowadays more than ever, obviously to look around them and see, this is what, this is what it takes. That's what it's, that's what I need to be happy. Yeah. Like, cause I think nowadays we live in a time where it's like, it, it's really bizarre, but you know, people live these lives on their social media or whatever. And it's almost like this standard that they're trying, that they're setting for, for people. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this is, this is what happiness looks like. And so people kind of get this false idea what happiness is. And so they're like, well, if I have that thing, I I can be happy. But without that thing, I'm not happy. I'm incomplete. I, I'm, I'm missing that. And um, to me, when I, when I think of consumerism and all that and how, how that brings fear, I think, I think that especially for young people, people 
it's it's probably a very scary place to see what's being put out there as mm. success what is happiness what is real life versus real life and mm. uh and i think it puts a lot of pressure on people um and it, and it and it gives you this idea that i like i said like i need that to be happy and without that i am less of a person or i'm i'm i don't know it's just, to me that's like where i f i see that the most yeah no i totally agree man social media is funny you said you know they live these lives on social media and that's the only place that they live those lives is on social media not everyone but a lot of them right. and it's like i look at the internet and this has helped me deal with criticism a lot I look at it as it is a fake like virtual reality world that I try to avoid as much as possible mm. because a, the, the influencers on there, um, th that is not their real life. Uh, B the critics, th the way that some of them will talk to me, they would never talk to me like that in real life, Yeah, but they use this fake world to create this fake outrage. And, uh, it's important. We don't let it consume us. Another thing that I think about too is the news. It's crazy to me how like the new everything's breaking these days. Like, what do you say, Josh? The news is now broken because all yeah. news is breaking. If the news is always if it's always breaking news, then the news. But, is breaking. But what's crazy yeah. to me is like I'll see this headline. You know, um, I don't know, man. Uh, Hong Kong, Hong Kong, getting ready, uh, economy getting ready to fall apart because of protests. Breaking news, and then I go to click on it, and there's like a thirty second advertisement. It's like, uh -huh. but before we tell you this breaking news, you must know uh -huh. we're gonna take thirty seconds of your time. I don't think that people were like, maybe I'm wrong or maybe I'm just behind, but I think the, the amount of emotion you have to experience like in a short amount of time mm -hmm. on social media is like, like insane. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you, you can look at like yeah. a thread of something, for instance, and, you know, rather than taking something and digesting it, you know, feeling a certain thing, you're scrolling through, you're happy, you're mad, you're angry, you're sad, you're this all within like mm. very quickly. Yeah. And uh, I just think that's a really like just an interesting it can't be healthy it, that's what that's how i i mean that's how i feel about it i mean i will you know i'll go on i'm like all right it's like haha that's funny and then you're like that's so sad i'm like oh my god then you're outraged can't and believe then, they said that and then someone else is outraged and you're getting outraged and someone else is outraged and it's just like all within this very short amount of time mm. where we're not like really processing what we're seeing it's just you know it's kind of these quick reactions and it's uh i don't know it's kind of it's just insane. I've never looked at it that way, dude, but that's why I got off of Facebook, man, is because I was experiencing so much emotion. I was like, why am I doing this to but myself? so quickly. Yeah. Right. And it's, right. It's, no. It's, it's like speed dating before emotions where you're like, I'm going to go from this one to this one. Yeah. And, and we didn't evolve, by the way, to be able to, to process the ups and downs so quickly, right? We evolved to be in uh, a tribal setting of less than 150 people and in that group we would we would share the experiences together everyone was happy or everyone was grieving at the same time and it didn't happen in 30 second intervals it happened over the course of a day right. or multiple days or weeks or even months and and now it's become so attenuated that every few moments we are experiencing a different and it's it, it's sort of this this schizophrenic version of it's it's like Russian roulette with our emotions mm -hmm. in a way. Yeah, and there's ben look, there's benefits obviously to people being able to have like a global conversation, and that there there are sure. And someone could easily say, "Well, then just don't go on." But <laughs> that's so much easier said than done. It really is. And I just, for me, I try to, um, I guess, limit 
the amount of insanity that I'm experiencing. Right. Well, it, it, it's a tool. So, so it starts Social with, media. with what I was saying is a lot of it has to do with intention. And, and part of that intention, whether it's consumerism and, and the purchasing of material goods, doing so with intention, having some rules set up for you, whether it's the 30-30 the rule that Ryan and I have, if it costs more than 30 bucks, wait at least 30 hours. That way you have a little pause moment. Um, or if it's social media, and you're following accounts that make you anxious, then the intentional thing to do would be to unfollow the accounts that make you anxious. Or if you're following accounts that set an unrealistically high false standard, unfollowing those. And then following accounts that maybe do keep you informed or engaged or challenge you in a healthy way, then maybe that's using it a bit more intentionally. But Lee, you're absolutely right. Um, it is different with social media because the, the biggest difference is never before have we been faced with with corporations who employ literally thousands of engineers whose primary function is to aggregate your eyeballs for more time and more attention onto their product and or service. And in doing that, um, we have become not the customers, we ourselves are the product because we're not paying for Facebook, we're not paying for Twitter. And if you're not paying for the thing, for the product, you are the product. Yeah. Well, you're paying in a different way. Exactly. JC says, what do at JFM and at Ryan Nicodemus fear? Nothing. Well, we will add fearless at Lita Wise in there as well. <laughs> um, so I had a very irrational fear for a long time. And I think it actually maybe helped me start writing in a weird way. So there's like a perverse benefit from this. But I had the fear of being forgotten. Um, and now when you pan out long enough, I, I'm guaranteed to be forgotten. Uh, and so even if our books do incredibly well and they affect multiple generations for, to come, even after my death, uh, on a long enough timeline, I'm going to be forgotten. Maybe it's 100 years from now. I was talking to podcast Sean about this the other day. Yeah, I'll be lucky to be a footnote in the history books a thousand years from now, right? right. That's, uh, I mean, such a long time. But you pan out ten thousand years, a hundred thousand years, which is still just a blip in uh, Earth time and the universe for sure. A hundred thousand years, is nothing. No one will remember who we were. And I can either continue to fear that irrationally or I can accept it and say, wow, no one's going to remember who I am. But that means I should at least make this moment count because those moments 100,000 years from now aren't going to matter to me at all. Yeah. What are you scared of, man? <laughs> now? Um, uh, no. Giraffes. Um, <laughs> That's a rational fear. <laughs> clowns. Um, um, I think... For me, what I—I I mean, it's such a what something I fear the most is make. I think I fear making the wrong decision. Yeah, mm. I think that's probably like my biggest fear on a daily basis. Look, I like I said though, I think I have I have a great support team from, you know, my wife John, who I love, my dog. I mean, honestly, down to like my my friends, my my manager, my my family. Like I, I there are people that I have as a support system, but for me, um, I tend to. Um, kind of have this, you know, 
my successes are my own and my failures are my own. Mm -hmm. And I think um, making the wrong decision is is probably what, on a day to day basis mm -hmm. would be the thing that I probably am fearing the most. Mm -hmm. um, I have sort of an opposite fear of that. I have a fear of not making a decision. I'm a very def I, in fact it's almost to my detriment. I'm a very decisive person. Like I would just make the decision, get it out of the way, sort of thing, rip the bandaid off, so to speak, and. And sometimes that's really helpful because it's like, all right, that's done. Making at least make a decision. You end up making the wrong decision. At least you made a decision. You can correct that later. But I have a fear of not making a decision. Where if like, uh, and it helps me not procrastinate in a way. But but it also it also means I don't always sit and make necessarily the best decision. Right. I would say that the outcome is the same. <laughs> Worrying yeah, about yeah. not wanting to make a decision and like worry, like I think the reason I, it's not so much a fear. It's just it's so much of, um, you know, with what I do and I mean I think most people day to day, it's it's just going through those motions of, um, I think I think just for me I guess it's it's like, I overthinking things sometimes, uh -huh. you know, to to like. To, to to a degree where it's like not unhealthy but you're you know sometimes i think that to me is what like is gets me the most anxious and i think maybe i'm using the word fear where i should be using the word anxious i think i get the most anxious when um you know i'm i don't know exactly like worrying about making the right or wrong decision versus just making the decision and uh i think i can i tend to overthink that mm -hmm. sometimes right what about you Oh, you know, it's funny. I talk, I was talking earlier about, you shouldn't care what people think about you, but I, I do care what people think. Yeah. It's about how I manage that fear though. But I'll tell you the one thing that there's two, like two of the biggest fears about what people think about me. One, if people think I've disrespected them, like, I don't know why, but like, I will think to myself sometimes like, oh, that person took me the wrong way. Thought I disrespected them and that'll like eat me up and I have to go. Fear of being misunderstood. Yeah. Fear of being misunderstood. Uh, or fear of like someone looking at me like I'm an idiot. And that's mainly because I feel like an idiot a lot of the times, but I don't want people to know that. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. What All else right, we got? We have a question here from uh, JC. How important is developing emotional intelligence to overcome fear, which is arguably the largest obstacle to minimalism? I mean, fear is the largest obstacle to life and in, in many ways. And you use the term anxiety. I mean, anxiety is basically fear with baby teeth. Um, It'll still bite you though, yeah. just repeatedly and mm -hmm. incessantly. Mm -hmm. uh, and <laughs> um, in fact, in many ways, it's worse than fear because it's this low-level thing that is at least seemingly manageable, right. but it's not actually tenable, right? Like we can deal with it, we can sit with our anxiety or whatever. Whereas if a crippling fear overtakes us, then we have to do something about it. Otherwise, we are essentially paralyzed with it. We can all be um, uh, functioning anxiety, uh, functioning ang anxious people. Right. And, and I think most people are. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Do you know what I mean? I, I feel like everyone, if anyone's walking around like and they're just <laughs> no, no anxieties, no fears, like that's... A sociopath. I mean, <laughs> so I think yeah. it's normal. I think that's another thing that's important to remember that it's like normal to feel anxious and anxiety. It's normal to be, you know, I think, I think there's, 
sometimes, you know, this, oh, you know, I, I'm, I have anxiety. It's like this bad thing. And I think, again, I think it's through anxiety. I think like you were saying, what, the question was something about um, the emotional part of it, being emotionally intelligent. Mm -hmm. I think you gain emotional intelligence through being anxious and being learning yourself through those moments i think that's where you get that from you don't just have that you get it through experience you have to like there's yeah. no other way to do and i mean in my opinion there's no other way to do it so i think it's you know you kind of have to you have to go through those anxieties to gain that emotional intelligence to better deal with the anxieties mm -hmm. you know yeah for me you know i don't we talked about we talked about stewart's question here i don't know if there's anything else to add um stewart says do you think fear and paranoia are on the rise with the advent of mobile technology and social media? Uh, I, I think I think that anxiety certainly is. Well, aren't aren't these new tools that just kind of play on those things? Right, and I don't know that, that was the initial intention. In fact, I don't even think that's the intention now. I mean, we we can say that you know that you know, someone like Mark Zuckerberg is. Is, is playing on our with our fears no they're trying to optimize the profit of these mega corporations now. and it just so happens that fear aggregates eyeballs right outrage right. aggregates eyeballs and by the way eyeballs. if 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 good news aggregated eyeballs the same way then they would be mongers of, of good news right they are fear mongers though and and anxiety mongers and paranoia monger and, and and the reason that they do that is it gets what they call more engagement, right? Mm -hmm. And so so maybe if I were to add anything to the whole technology and social media discussion, Ryan mentioned earlier, they're tools. You can use a can of paint to beautify the exterior of your house, or you can go use it to write racial slurs on your neighbor's uh, fence. It's a, simply a tool. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can use it to do really shitty, awful, terrible things with that tool. Sometimes you can do really great things with that tool. Intentionality comes from what, how am I going to use this tool appropriately? And then the second thing with social media in particular is how can I use this tool despite the fact the thousands of engineers are trying to keep me glued to it mm -hmm. and and engaged more frequently. And I think the best way to do it is to be engaged less with social media. Lee, earlier you talked about having sort of you know, limits or limitations on, on diving in. Like I don't have social media on my phone, right? I don't have Twitter, Instagram, Facebook on my phone. We have these things. We have a social media manager. Jessica is wonderful. And she, what she does, we meet with her. We give her our words and the things we're trying to accomplish. She gets it out to the world. But I also use social media personally. I do it from a web browser and I will log in. I'll go do whatever I need to do when I have the appropriate amount of time. And then I will log off. But it's not constantly pinging me. I need to ping it in a way. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of the fear from technology and those things i think there's gonna be there already are and gonna be so many amazing benefits and things that happen with the advancement of technology i just i think the reason it's very fear it's it, it's uh you could be afraid of, easily afraid of it is is because um at the speed in which things are happening you know it's almost like you could wake up any given day and it's like things are just happening at such a rapid pace that it's it, it's uh we don't always have a, a minute to, to wrap our minds around it. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's part of, I think, what the fears of, of is the speed in which things are moving. Yeah, I think that really, 
that increases the anxiety because it's this frenetic pace all the time. Even though it could be ama this amazing thing, it, it's just, it, everything's coming at us so fast. Right. And I don't mean to sound like, you know, turn the music down, you know, <laughs> but, but, but re realistically, that is what it is. And I think when it comes to things like social media, I think with everything there, you know, it has its place and I think it can be used in a, in a, in a, in a really positive, good way. And um, I think remembering, I think it's important for people to remember, you can't, re I mean, this is, We've heard this a million times, but you really can't control what other people are doing. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't think that it's, um, it's sometimes you have to ask yourself, like, is this, is this worth my time? Is this worth my time? Is this healthy for me to be engaging in? Yeah. And, and if the answer is no, you know, th I think taking a second to, to evaluate, you know, where, what place that has in your life is important and, and you should do it. Yeah, if you respond to a troll, you've already lost because that, that was their only objective was to get you to respond. And and I find that now, like, I will use social media to engage with other people, but it's people who share similar values or are looking for help. And we use social media to curate a lot of these, these questions even. So there are positive aspects to it as long as we're very careful in how we are using it. And Nup asks, is the tendency to get paranoid genetic? Uh, I mean, to a certain extent, yeah. I mean, my, my father was uh, manic depressive, schizophrenic, and uh, ended up yeah, basically drinking himself. That he, he killed himself, basically. One of my brothers, Peter, was also uh, schizophrenic. Like, they both had elaborate relationships with people who did not exist in the real world. They paranoid schizophrenia. And, and so to that extent, yes, it is certainly genetic. Uh, Peter also ended up killing himself. And, and so there are, uh, there are certain genetic tendencies. When we say paranoia, that, that's one extreme side of the continuum. But I also think that there, there's a base level of anxiety for every person. Like Ryan has anxiety for sure. Sure. But not my level of anxiety. <laughs> His base level is much lower than, than my level of, of anxiety. Yeah. And regardless of what, what happens, we, there is a return to the mean, right? There, there's something we call the hedonic treadmill that, that is like any new occurrence that we take on, we always adjust back to the mean. So like you buy that Lamborghini, which we see a ton of in L.A., and it brings you happiness for a moment, but that thing that was your source of happiness then becomes normal and you've returned to the mean once again. The same is true with fear and anxiety. There's gonna be a base level there and it may be easier for someone like me to feel more anxious than Ryan, but, but um, the genetic part is only, what, half, if that. Yeah. The, the other half or more probably 80% is the environment in which we stimulate that anxiety. And if we're constantly stimulating the anxiety, then regardless of whether you're not a very anxious person or you are, I mean, there, there's, a, there's a world in which Ryan could be far more anxious than me if he's doing things that are always stimulating his anxiety. Whereas with me, if I, am, if I go live in a cave and meditate, I'll still be a more anxious person than you mm -hmm. uh, baseline, but I won't have all the same stimuli. Like if I was to do this to the lid, <laughs> I could totally get through that <laughs> the entire podcast. But right now, Josh wants to punch me in the face. <laughs> so I have OCD pretty I'll bad, put it back. Well, you know, what, you. you know what that just says though is like when it comes to genetics, 
I think these mechanisms we have, fear and anxiety, they're given to us uh, as tools to kind of help us from, you know, if you go back to our ancestors from predators, I mean, we stereotype for a reason. If I look at something with big, sharp teeth, I got to kind of think like that thing might want to eat me. Or uh, when you are fearful of looking over a cliff, that is an innate fear that is given to us. And we do, we have to be scared of that. I think genetics can play a role in kind of amplifying those things. But, um, but yeah, I think all of us, like you said, Josh, I mean, we all have a baseline fear and anxiety that we're kind of born with. We're, we're running out of time here, but I wanted to get to these last two questions here. Uh, Jacqueline asks, well, she says, here's my fear. And I, I really resonated with, with this question. So I wanted to get it on here. I'm a 33-year-old recent widow, and I don't have, uh, and I don't have a lot of living space. My husband died to a very awful and stupid cancer that left us with crappy recent memories. I have photos of these crappy memories. Do I save them? What if I have kids? We saved my husband's sperm, and what if they want to see those photos? Uh, the reason I say this this question resonates. I mean, by the way, Jacqueline, I'm I'm so sorry to hear about your loss. I have I obviously gone through a lot of loss in my life, but I can't imagine what you're going through losing your husband. Um, man, I, it's a it's definitely a trying time for you, and 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 so here you are. You you have some really crappy recent memories. I've had a ton of health problems over the last uh, 13, 14 months at this point. And I, my wife and I have had a lot of like crappy memories over the last year, right? And I, the last thing I'd want her to do is hold on to the, the crappy part if I were, were to pass away. Yeah, I mean, what purpose would those serve? Right, right. Now, if there's a fear of, well, I, I need to get rid of these photos or whatever, but then I'm afraid maybe there's some hypothetical future in which I want those photos. Here's the good news with photos. You can scan them or maybe they're already digitized, they probably are, you can put them on a hard drive somewhere, upload them to a cloud, and then get that out of your life. Right. You know that you have some sort of backup there. Um, I don't know. Lee, maybe you've, you've, you've written a song before. I mean, that's you're a, like, that's obviously a very tough situation. So yeah. I, it's hard for me to speak on what's best for her. I mean, it, for me, it feels more like one of those things that... Th- might feel like there's a urgency to do something mm-hmm. and i think to give yourself a break and say i don't need to do anything right now yeah i can put these aside and make that decision whenever i want to like and putting them aside is effectively doing something and it might be correct. the right something and, and, for and her even to if do. even if, 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 if you feel like there's a moment where i have to do this right now i have to make this decision knowing that there is no pressure there is nothing over you making saying you have to make this decision now and giving yourself a a chance to think on it i think is important now obviously it's really difficult to say what someone should i I can't imagine what going through that is is like um but i think it's it's important to kind of understand that you don't have to do anything right now Mm -hmm. and you can you can kind of put that aside and um think on it and whatever that means you know i think time is an amazing thing and a lot happens when um you know even over the course of a day think about how uh, you know one day <laughs> so much can happen in the course of a day so i think i think there's just an element of not relieving yourself of the pressure of having to do something mm-hmm. even if that something is just putting them aside yeah, my mother died my mother died 10 years ago and um when she died one of the things 
I learned a bunch of lessons. One of the lessons I learned is that our, our memories aren't in our things. Our memories are in us. But I also learned that sometimes our things can trigger the memories inside us. You know, it's like um, you see you know, this giant chair that mom had or a sofa and you, it triggers some sort of memory, good, bad, and different. It's like the computer program. It's like you put it in uh-huh. and it like opens up all of that stuff. You know what I mean? Right. And so what I did is I, I took photos of most of mom's possessions and it allowed me to let go of the things because I realized I wasn't letting go of the the triggers for those memories. And then I went home with like a few boxes of like shoe boxes of old photographs, which I scanned and stored digitally. Here's the, the fascinating thing about that though. Again, those, those photos made it easier for me to let go because I wasn't letting go of the actual memories. But the fascinating thing is they're on a hard drive, but I don't, ever really look at them i mean it's been the choice is yours too right not. Mm-hmm. it's there i can and access them but i never do I think knowing that it's a it's it's, a, it's up to you it's a choice right. you don't have to i think right. that that's like that's really important absolutely and yeah. so so knowing that i have that choice and it gives me the freedom to look at it or not look at it and it sort of gives me the peace of mind to yeah. say you know it's there i don't have to go look at it and by the way it's probably not something that jacqueline wants to go look at right now you said you have those crappy memories lee talked about the distance that time creates well, well maybe help sort some of those memories out because you have far more great memories than the the last few months of, of his life which were you know, really unfortunate, but um, you can be really grateful for for the good memories you do have. You can set aside those bad ones. And yeah, you can you can have it on a distant hard drive and still feel good about all of the uh, the memories you created together. We've got one more question here from Eugene. What do people really think when you fake your courage successfully? I disagree with the premise of Eugene's question here. I yeah. think courage is one of the few things you actually can't fake. Because by definition, if you're doing something that is courageous, then you you are not faking it. Uh, it if it is courageous, you are facing some kind of fear, and you right. are. Right, I, I agree with that. Courage yeah. is not the absence of fear; it is taking action in spite of the fear. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. All right. Well, I think that's that's a great place to end it. I think. Um, well, first off, Lee, I want to thank you for creating some really beautiful and really meaningful music. Thank you. Thank you, um, I'm you so have... pumped to hear your album next year, man. <laughs> you. That's yeah, awesome. I, I really appreciate The EP that. was just like a little taste. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you guys um, are feeling what I put into it. That that means a lot. So I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. You have definitely created uh, a soundtrack to several years of my life. And uh, I know you Thank used you. that terminology earlier, but that's absolutely what, what you've done. And uh, man, I hope you keep creating because you, you're doing you. something really meaningful. You guys as well. What you do here is pretty pretty awesome, and it's a very comfortable spot to sit and just kind of talk about things. And uh, I think what you guys do is equally as amazing. So thank you guys for having me. Thanks well, a lot. Let us know when you got the album coming out. We'll uh, make sure that we let everyone know about it on social media and the podcast, etc. All right, y'all. Love people, use things. We'll see you next time. See ya. The minimalists. <laughs>